0: Welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave, where we chat with amazing women within the worlds of sports, fitness, wellness, and business who aren't afraid to keep it real. Every week we talk careers, relationships, and most importantly, the practice of self-care. Uncensored and unapologetic, you'll walk away from every episode real life takeaways and advice. No BS or what. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave. I am Crystal Rose, and I just had a state of emergency called on my birthday. So I guess you can say I'm pretty special. <laughs> Um, But really, you guys, this week has been pretty stressful for all of us. This COVID-19 virus has become all-consuming, you know, as we, the world basically sits to find out, you know, what's going to happen next. Certainty is a primary core need of humans. Some of us have to have some level of certainty in our lives, you know, just to be okay And when it comes to this virus, you know, we obviously don't have that. None of us do. And when it comes to times of crisis, people handle it in different ways. You know, some people panic, some people crack jokes, some retreat and disconnect and so on. And some people become ugly in the face of it. And they allow their humanity to slip while they fend for themselves and others. You know, I'd like to think, and I hope that this is the majority, (laughs) extend themselves beyond their own needs to help others. What I really hope is that, you know, we can all have compassion for other people during this time, even the assholes, because underneath, you know, they're really just scared. I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what this means for my business. You know, that it's already had its share of struggles over the last year, and I don't know what this means for my husband's job, which is our livelihood, because several races, NASCAR races, have already been canceled. Shit is just so up in the air for us. You know, it's, it can be pretty scary to think about, but what I do know is that I am resilient as fuck. What I do know is that the team, my husband and I make is incredible. And what I do know is that there are amazing people in my life, many of whom have become friends because of my business. And if you're listening to this, you're likely one of them. I just believe in my heart that, you know, we'll get through this. And that confidence is what keep it's, you know, it's keeping me positive. Like, cause that is my certainty. It doesn't matter what happens, you know, from, from day to day. It's that no matter what gets tossed my way, I know I won't break. I will only rise back up. And it's because of people like you in my corner, you know, how could I not? So I love you friends. Stay safe, be cautious. Be kind, and please, please wash your hands. So today on the podcast, we have my friend Holly. Holly is one of those women that when I first met her on the line, I was like, oh, she seems cool. And then we got coffee and talked for three hours. Every time we get coffee, we are there for hours. I feel like I could just talk to her forever. We always have incredible conversations. She used to own a gym. She's very, very deep in the health and fitness world, but also holistic living. And she's doing some pretty incredible stuff, you guys. So I was really excited to have her on the podcast. And I think you guys are going to find this episode just fascinating. Like I did. Holly Joy McCabe is a holistic life coach, psych K facilitator and craniosacral therapist with an additional background in nutrition and fitness. Over her 15 years in the alternative health space, she has pulled upon various fields of mind-body science, spirituality, and neuroscience to create her own unique approach to health and healing. Her work starts at and focuses thoroughly on the deepest core issues that dwell in the subconscious mind and somatic body. These two elements are responsible for most of the struggles someone experiences and are rarely accessed through traditional approaches. She then builds outwards into the more superficial aspects like mindset, self-love, and self-care, exercise, and nutrition to complete a full wellness spectrum. This multi-layered hybrid protocol creates a massive mental and physical shift and facilitates lasting life change. Holly, welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Super excited to have you. I absolutely love your perspective on so many things. So I think this is going to be a really good episode. So first, what we always do is GGB, goals, gratitude, and badassery. So Mm -hmm. I just want you to take a minute to tell me what your current goals are, what you're grateful for, and then something you've done recently that's like pretty badass or that you're proud of. Uh, So
1: start with goals. Yeah, I think goals is I have a clothing brand called Zen Chicks and I've been sitting on it literally for years coming up with these cute t-shirt concepts and stuff that I really wanted to do. And one of my goals in 2020 is to finally launch that to stop holding back and thinking that it's not profound and life-changing enough, (laughs) that it's just okay for something to be fun and creative for me because I really struggle with that. Gratitude is super, super grateful for the way my health has improved over the past year. Six months, really specific specifically. And badassery, I would say taking the plunge and opening a practice in Charlotte to really dive more into what I think is a big part of my calling, which is trauma work and working with the somatic body and subconscious mind more. That was something I said I would never do again after owning a gym for eight years and being exhausted with it. But taking that leap and that plunge, like I thought that was pretty badass and I feel pretty good about it.
0: It is pretty badass. Opening up anything with a physical location, I think is pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's dive right on in. I feel like you have really polarizing content. You don't post stuff that's just going to like, please everyone. And, <laughs> I mean, except for the pit bull pictures, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like you post a lot of stuff that either a lot of people might not be ready to hear or they don't want to hear it. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So... I've kind of always been a lone wolf and sort of thought outside the box that probably started a lot with just my childhood and growing up very unconventionally. I was homeschooled my whole life. I was in a lot of really extreme kind of religions slash cults and my dad was, despite all of his flaws and all the unfortunate things that we went through with my childhood, my dad was a very out-of-the-box thinker. He was a researcher and a studier and he wasn't afraid to go against the grain and discuss things that people weren't discussing. He wasn't just a sheep that just followed what everybody said and did things the way everybody else did it. And I have seven siblings. And I think that out of all of us, I'm definitely the one that emulates that in him more than anybody. He just kind of paved his own way. And I think I've always felt like I don't fit in places in a lot of different ways. And that's because I think differently. I mean, right down to being in massage school and like in any kind of class environment, I'm always the one not intentionally or maliciously challenging the teacher, or the instructor, but like asking questions that nobody else is asking and looking at things that are uncomfortable to look at. And basically, I look at life and people as a collection of ingredients. <laughs> and the ingredients are what makes them who they are. And then those ingredients are perspectives, experiences, you know, conditioning and all these different things. And I think that we can be stuck in one way of being or viewing things which is fine if you're really happy and fulfilled, but I think there's so many unique, amazing things in life if you're willing to look through things from a different lens, you know? And so I share that in my content and it's a big part of who I am because I'm always challenging myself to question my own beliefs and to step back and say, is there truth to this to see other people's perspective? There's a statement that says, you have no right to have an opinion if you haven't explored the other side. And I think so many people have opinions on things And they've never actually looked at the other side. And so anytime I find myself having an opinion about something, I make sure I've explored all angles. I've looked at both sides. I've put myself in other people's shoes. And that's what I try to convey in my content. Like I know I have a lot of followers that are sort of like creepers on the sidelines. They won't like, they won't comment, (laughs) they don't share but they're listening and they're paying attention. And I know I'm making people think. And so for me, it's more important for me to express things when I come across them and I feel called to share them and to provoke people to think outside the box or to see information they might not see anywhere else than to get likes or shares or to be socially popular. And that's kind of the essence of who I am and what my deeper core trait is, is just to continuously challenge myself and challenge those who follow me. Even if it's a smaller audience, to continually question themselves and question their environment, question what they've been told and what they've always thought, you know? So yeah, that's kind of a,
0: <laughs> a long <laughs>
1: answer to that seemingly small question.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think it's great though because you post a lot of, most of the time it's research. Like you're presenting facts and research for people and where they can dive in more. And I think that's really great rather than just like a blanket opinion or I Googled this and it's some bunk <laughs> sort of myth thing, like a lot of people don't go deep enough. So I love that you do that, even if, you know, maybe there's some things, I mean, I'll always agree on it because I don't think you really are going to ever agree on everything with other people or sometimes I'm like, whoa. (laughs) Yeah whoa, it's early on a Saturday for this post, you know? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. I'm like, here's your dose of truth. Here's your rabbit hole to go down Saturday morning. Yeah. But that is how my mind works. Whenever I've tried to shove myself into a box, I mean, as a business owner, I know you can relate that it's hard sometimes to be authentic, but then sort of play the game of, okay, let's post a pretty picture and be motivating, but be real and have this cute caption and the right hashtags. There's like so much that goes into sort of presenting yourself. And anytime I've tried to do that, my true passions get so diluted and sort of lost that I just lose my voice. And so I can't really schedule or plan it or polish it necessarily. Sometimes it's like literally seven o'clock on a Saturday morning and I'm like, let's talk about this really deep topic because this is what's on my mind. And so I've learned over the years to kind of just flow with it because sometimes there's a million passions that I want to talk about and I'm in the research and I'm reading the articles and I'm provoked to share it. And then sometimes I don't have anything to say for like a month. <laughs> like it's just just dog pictures I have nothing profound to say no research to share and I've just sort of learned to accept that about myself and be like whoever's on this ride with me they probably are accepting that too but yeah
0: that's just kind of how it is for me <laughs> so you are a lot like me where you have like eight billion things going on at one time because you are excited and passionate about mm-hmm. <laughs> things at one time I know personally that when I kind of like pare things down and put more focus on one thing, like that one thing generally does better than when I'm like, over here, Pikachu. So what is your focus this year? Because like I said, you have a bazillion businesses. What's your real hard like focus right now?
1: Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to my badassery and well, I guess if I had thought more about the goal statement, I probably would have said something different. The Zen Chicks line was just what kind of immediately came to mind. My big focus was so I trained in bodywork therapy and was licensed as the massage therapist almost ten years ago. And at the beginning of that career I fell in love with somatic science, which is the mind-body connection, the way trauma and emotions and tensions get stored in our body. I mean, it was like every hair on my body stood up when I first started learning about that. You know, it was just like a soul calling. And then when I opened my fitness facility in Nashville, over the years, it grew to more and more like fitness, exercise. I started competing in strongman, picklifting, jujitsu, and it was very focused on just the physical which was amazing because I love, you know, obviously the body, I love training, I love fitness, but it kind of pulled me further and further away from the healing arts, from somatic science, from the neuroscience that behind the scenes, I was reading all day, every day. After eight years, the business was very successful, but it felt very restricted. And I was like, this is not my calling. So obviously that's kind of what led to me launching my personal brand, Spiritual Fit Chick, the mind, body, soul thing, but it still wasn't deep enough. So all of that is a segue to say, I really thought that I was like, past that. I mean, I retired my license several years ago because all I was doing was working on athletes and it was very exhausting. I wasn't doing trauma healing. I wasn't doing my specialty work. And I just thought I was moving on. I was like all about getting my PhD, natural medicine. I'm going to write books. I'm going to teach workshops. It's all forward. And it was kind of funny because the universe just kept pointing me back. And it was almost like the universe was saying, you have unfinished business here. Mm -hmm. Like this was such a big passion of yours. And you got distracted and you got pulled away from it but you have unfinished business here. And so it literally was like a year and a half process to even be nudged back to getting my license and stated in North Carolina, thinking about going back to trauma work. Like where would I work? I don't want to work for someone else. That means I open a practice. That's a big step. And so it's so funny because I never, ever, ever envisioned myself back to working with people one-on-one, owning a brick and mortar and focusing on this. But it's like once I finally stopped fighting it and clinging to my idea of what my career and what my brands were going to look like once I surrendered, it was like, I plugged back into that deep core passion. And that was like, holy shit. Like it was here all along. I was just looking at everything else, you know?
0: Yeah. It's like
1: when you're in a bad relationship and you're trying to make it work, but like the man of your dreams is right there the whole time, you know, it's like, Oh, and so my passion and my big goal and what I'm trying to focus on, despite all these other things that I love, is that I have a lot of sort of superficial elements. I love toxic-free beauty. I love fitness. I love nutrition. I love all these things. But like, what's the core of who I am? Like, what's my core passion? What am I really supposed to change on this planet? And I truly believe that's helping people get to the root of their pains and their dysfunctions, their illnesses. And that is somatic healing. That is working with the subconscious brain and the somatic body and helping people heal from these traumas that are generally lifelong, that they're not even consciously aware of that are affecting so much of their mental and physical experience on this earth, that is it. And so I think I've spent so much time on the superficial and I say superficial just because they're like smaller to me compared to my big core passion. And I just kept thinking, oh, it needs to be fitness. Oh, it needs to be this. It's travel. It's beauty. It's all these things. And it was, but the big bulk of it, the bulk of my passion. And what I'm finally not resisting anymore is that this is my bigger purpose and this is my bigger calling and all the other stuff are just like side notes. So yeah, I'm trying to just focus on how I can take that message and that service to the world through education, through obviously working with people on -on one-on-one workshops I want to create different courses and stuff that people can access this online because my following is global and I don't want people to be like, oh, it'd be great if I could go, you know, get trauma healing in Charlotte, North Carolina, but there's a lot of different tools that they can do otherwise. So just focusing on that and really plugging into that calling and that purpose and getting clear on it and letting the other things be secondary, not
0: primary, which is a struggle. (laughs)
1: Because one minute you're like, this is my new passion. This is my new
0: goal. I know because things are so (laughs) tiny. Exactly. Things exactly. are so shiny. I love that you're doing that because it's very similar to where I'm moving into right now, which is really kind of interesting. Like, you know, I'm doing the Hungry for Happiness certification and it's a lot about the emotionality and traumas and healing the body. I mean, cause it's like you said, there can be trauma trapped in the body. That's not on the surface. You're not going every day, living it in your yeah. mind. So that was something that Crazy call to me, and I'm like, "What am I doing? I don't have any business doing this right now. This is beyond, you know, the nutrition stuff and the store stuff, and like helping people. Like I feel like I've been doing. I'm like, but this is so deep. And I think that when you kind of are really face to face with a real visceral yes in your body, that you're just like, okay, I'm doing this. This is it. And you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah. So, what exactly? Because I see you post about what you're doing the cranial sacral and psych K and all that. Can you explain, like, what exactly it is? I mean, obviously, you're not going to give your whole method here, but, like, you know, kind yeah. of like, what is it? Because I have no idea and I have been itching to learn more about it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is where I get really amped up because I love to geek out. (laughs) Um, I also like taking really advanced technical sciences and making them very relatable and understandable, you know. Mm -hmm. So cranial sacral, in a simple term, it's a really light touch therapy. And most people have an understanding that the spine and the nervous system is kind of like that is the master. (laughs) You know, it is the conductor. It is what steers the ship. If you get a spinal injury, that's what causes someone to be paralyzed and for nothing to work. But what most people don't know is that there's this entire system called the cranial sacral system that has a fluid and a heartbeat and in the practice, we call it the breath of life. And it's basically this rhythm that, and I'm using my hands a lot to explain this, not that anybody can see it. (laughs) So you'll have to use your imagination here to kind of visualize this. It's a rhythm that expands and then contracts and it's supposed to be a very smooth out and in kind of rhythm within the body. Every single trauma, emotional, physical, mental that we endure, kind of disrupts that a little bit. And that entire rhythm, because it goes from your head to your sacrum, the tailbone, disrupts the spinal system, the nervous system. And these traumas get stuck in the body. And then they cause these like bumps and these hiccups and these dysregulations of this rhythm that's supposed to keep us basically healthy mentally, psychologically, physically. So say you were a C-section baby. That's one of the most common from birth traumas is because it's very intrusive. It's not a natural process in that the pressure change doesn't happen the way that it's supposed to for the baby to kind of acclimate. It's very abrupt first trauma. Then you're six years old and maybe you fall down the stairs or maybe there's a physical trauma or maybe you're being abused or you're being abandoned or you're being shoved in a room and left to cry it out for days upon days or something, you know, physical, psychological. Then when you're 12, somebody beats you up on the school playground and then you're 16 and you're in a car wreck. Then you're 20 and you have this huge emotional breakup that like devastates you or you're in an abusive relationship. These are all traumas in different ways that affect our body. They affect our mental cognition, our subconscious brain, but most importantly, they affect that rhythm and they affect in essence... Every single part of your entire physical, psychological structure. And so when somebody gets on the table, I'm basically going to what's called these still points and I'm assessing the rhythm. Most people are used to massage therapy being this deep, you know, elbows in the back, work the knots out kind of intrusive thing. But this is so subtle that I like to think of it because it's such a rare therapy that it's kind of a calling. Like You really have to be a certain type of person to even be able to palpitate this rhythm and connect to it and see what's going on. And you can feel the restrictions. You can feel the bones that are stuck. Most people don't realize that the bones in the skull are actually meant to contract and expand and move with that rhythm. Everyone thinks the skull is just this one big sheet of bone that doesn't move. And so I can feel and palpitate that. I can see where certain restrictions are in the body. And then what I do is I'm tapping in. And my goal is to facilitate that rhythm, the cranial sacral rhythm to regulate, to ease the restrictions. And what that's called is somatic unwinding. Your body goes through a process and it's like an emotional, psychological detox where all of those little traumas right down to everything we just went through starts releasing. It goes through the body in reverse and your nervous system is actually letting go of it. And so it's like hitting the reset button (laughs) on your brain and your body. Like You know how you've got your computer open and you've got 32 tabs and pop-ups and everything and suddenly it's like everything's slow? Yeah. What do you have to do? You have to close out all the windows. You have to make sure everything's clear. And then you hit reset and everything's completely different. And then you got to go into old files you don't need and delete them. And then you got to go to the trash bin and you got to make sure to clear that out. You know, the more space and the less programs you have running, the more efficiently your computer and your software works. Everyone understands that your body is a much more technical, beautiful aspect of that is like, we have all these programs running and outside of the somatic body of what that looks like with, you know, that could manifest in so many different symptoms for people, severe anxiety, social isolation, depression, right down to gut issues, you know, like there's basically every single physical condition that you can think of has its root in trauma in some way or trauma can make it worse. And so you've got all these different things, all these different behaviors, you self-sabotage, you keep attracting the same sort of situations, you just can't figure life out. And it's literally because of something that happened when you were five years old that your body is storing and running as a program on repeat, 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 repeat. So this work has such an incredible capacity to transform lives in such a bigger way because talk therapy is great, but it never gets to the root. You're just constantly in a state of trying to control your thoughts or control your body, but you're not getting to the root of the program, You know, like getting to the root and pulling the entire structure out. There's a lot of different modalities that are really great and helpful and they give some temporary relief, but people are still struggling. They're still going through the same process. They're still same pattern, same pain, minuscule little improvements here and there, but never really that, oh my gosh, I feel like a new person. And that's what this combined with Psych K, which I'll get into in a second, how that's different. It really facilitates that, just a complete new clean state, all the patterns and the healthy living things you're trying to do, all the things that you've tried so hard to do because you know you need to do them, suddenly they're able to be implemented because you don't have nervous system and trauma that's basically fighting against you. So it's incredibly profound, incredibly healing, and it allows your body to heal. Like I don't ever like using the word healer because as a therapist, I'm a facilitator. Like I'm guiding the body basically but the beautiful thing about cranial sacral work is we're not trying to force you to do anything. I'm not ramming an elbow in your back. I'm not trying to get you to talk about past traumas that are uncomfortable for you. I'm not trying to tell you just have more willpower and just don't eat the cake or any of those things that are like fighting against right. you know yourself it's actually, I'm connecting you to your body and letting the body do what it needs to do. Because the body doesn't want to hold on to this stuff. It will gratefully release it. It just needs the right guidance and facilitation. And that's what cranial sacral is really, really, really good at. That
0: is friggin' fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, <laughs> even like I said, you know, some of the things that I'm learning now, it's amazing how allowing your body to heal itself mm-hmm. essentially by being able to let go of traumas and not just in that whole like all right we'll get over it it's in the past yeah (laughs) Um, yeah because that's
1: all your conscious mind right all the things that most people try to do to get over things are in basically that five to ten percent of the brain that is the conscious thinking and this is a perfect segue to psych k which is the other i do a lot of different modalities but i've again and trying to specialize in the trauma field, these are my two. Because cranial sacral deals with the somatic body, which is like the mind-body connection, the emotional, psychological connection. And psych k deals with the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is literally 90% of your existence. Everything that you do, think, act, say, wear, eat, I mean everything. And you have no control over it. <laughs> no conscious <laughs> control. So think about it like this, if you had something that was 90% of the equation and you didn't even have the key to walk in the door and look at that and say, what is this causing me to do? How is this affecting my health? Like, how is it affecting my work, my relationships, all of those things? Wouldn't you want to have that key and have access to go in that room and look at that and see hey, what is this? <laughs> what do we got going on in here? Like, And that is what Psyche-K facilitates. In the science, Psyche-K is a very sort of protected modality in that we're a little bit limited on what we can explain or demonstrate in certain capacities because of the training protocol. But in essence, Psyche-K is... Another modality that it does communicate with the body because you're actually doing these testing methods with the body to receive information and like biofeedback. And it. But you're also facilitating the right and the left brain to work together, which is how you access the subconscious brain. Everyone kind of knows right brain, left brain, creative thinking, logical thinking, all of that. And most of us are stuck in one side or the other 90% of the time. And so at the base, Psych K actually, and there's research studies that show the brain crossing in and actually functioning in this whole brain state, which is where you really facilitate the most creativity solutions. It's sort of like opening the door again. It's like the key. You open the door, you walk into the subconscious, and then you have the access because you're in, you're in that whole brain state to be like, hmm that program. I don't like that program. That's why I'm constantly self-sabotaging and X, Y, Z. And then you can change it and you can re-imprint it and you can do this whole process with the facilitator to (laughs) control, alt, delete, and then rewrite the script basically in your subconscious mind, which is the only place that it matters. Like It does not matter what you try to rewrite or change in your conscious mind, five to 10%. And I'll give you a really good example because working in fitness and with you know nutrition and weight loss and stuff over the years I saw this so many times and always understood it to some degree but with psych k training it was very confirmed what I was already sort of thinking most of the time our conscious brain has a goal in mind that's completely contradiction with the subconscious Mm. most women that come to me they wanted to lose weight right there's practically 90 percent of the women on this planet want to lose a little weight So say somebody has been trying to lose weight for 15 years. They've got this 30, 40 pounds and they'll lose five and they gain 10 and they lose 20 and then they gain 30. And for years and years and years, yo-yo dieting, crash course, you know, whatever the latest trend is, they hire a trainer, but they cannot stick with anything. They cannot seem to get this weight off. They don't have anything wrong with their thyroid. Nothing medically is going on. They just cannot seem to stick with anything. Their body is like not cooperating and they're just so frustrated, they're so beat down, they just wanna feel good in their body. That's a conscious goal, right? And they cannot consciously come up with a solution or figure out why this is happening, why they can't seem to stick with anything, why this diet worked for their friend, but it's not working for them. And it's such a common thing, especially with my work doing the life coaching and stuff, a lot of women who are at the end of their rope would come to me in this situation. It wasn't their first rodeo, basically. So what we have to look at you want to lose weight on a conscious level. On a conscious level, you are not able to lose weight. Let's look at the 90%. Let's unlock the door, walk in the room of your subconscious mind, and find out what's really going on. And with women, one huge, huge, huge factor is, in K, we call this secondary gains. What is your subconscious always trying to do? It's always trying to basically keep you alive and protect you. That is its number one goal. It doesn't have really any other alternative motives, anything. It's protect, survive. That's it. For a lot of women, tragically, they have been a victim of sexual assault, rape, molestation, something uncomfortable with that. That is typically in their youth when their weight started piling on. It was a defense mechanism of not only physically put this weight as a barrier, but make myself as unattractive as possible. So then that shows up as make myself small, don't voice my opinion, don't look too pretty. And these people shrink down, shrink down, shrink, 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 to the point that they're a fraction of who they really are in every capacity. But their conscious mind is like, no, I don't want to be this person. I know yeah, I have I this voice. this I gift. Wanna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to look this way. Yeah. But every time they start to lose weight, their subconscious says, oh, no, remember when we were more attractive, we got attention that made us uncomfortable for men. And we had this thing happen. Mm. Subconscious, 90%, always bigger, badder, always going to win out. And so that's just one example of what these subconscious mind aspects control that most women, they would never consciously actually think of that. They would never be like, hmm, I think I'm self-sabotaging because really I'm uncomfortable with the attention I might get from men if I'm more attractive. But they show up in so many different ways. All of these patterns, all of these things sabotage our goals, the conscious mind goals, and they will always win out. And that's where you have people just like trying to rely on willpower and motivation and all self-control yeah. yeah, and self-help books out the wazoo and all these different things. And it's like, that's the 5%. And it matters. The 5% does matter because those are our daily habits. Those are what keep us you know, moving forward. But if you're not looking at that 90% being a perpetual cycle of I cannot break this habit or this pattern and I'm at my wit's end. And then what really happens in that, you don't only continue to go through the same cycle. But every time you set a goal and you commit and you're like, this is it, this is the time, like I'm done with this because your conscious mind is fed up with your situation and you fail, Mm -hmm. your self-esteem takes a big hit. Yeah. Your self-loathing goes way up. You're like, I'm a loser. I can't do anything. Like it really erodes your sense of self and confidence in such a profound way and that's hard to come back from. So oh, the cycle thing. just keeps getting it's bigger a
0: thing too. It's like when you make these hard hard rules for yourself and then you can't stick to it because they're kind of ridiculous, right? And mm-hmm. you break that rule, well then you trust yourself less. So the next time you're like, I'm going to do this thing, you don't really believe you're going to do it because your track record essentially, you've broken your trust so many times in the past that it's like, why are you actually going to do it this time? You know, already once you decide, oh, I'm going to do this, like you already have failed.
1: Right. It affects the 10% in such a big way with that because you're right, you do get to a point where it's basically learned helplessness. And I'm not sure if anybody's ever heard that as a clinical term, but it's where you've just done so much It's like an animal trying to escape a cage where literally they will get to a point where they're just like, there's no escaping this. So they just kind of play dead and everything shuts down. And that is where depression can really get a hold of you because you have no sense of hope. You have no sense of confidence. You have no sense of things can get better. I can change this. I mean, this helplessness, helplessness and hopelessness are really two of the deepest emotions that underline deep depression. Because as long as you have hope that, hey, I can change this or, hey, this is just a season or whatever. On a psychological, mental level, you can move forward and you know you maybe don't get to as dark of those places. But when you have that, when you just have like, there's no hope, there's no change, this is my 10th toxic, abusive relationship, I'll never make a different decision, it becomes a perpetuated, self-fulfilling prophecy that you feel powerless to overcome. And that is why, (laughs) that is the summary of why these two things I think are so important. They're not talked about enough. They're not acknowledged enough. There's all these different superficial aspects that should be kind of the icing on the cake, but people are expecting and hoping and trying to make them more powerful than they actually can be because they're not getting to that 90%.
0: Amazing. I feel like we could talk about this forever. (laughs) (laughs) So, switching gears, we talk about this all the time, but like how you and I have these great marriages, right? And recently you took a trip to Colombia by yourself for a month without your husband. How dare you? (laughs) Yeah. How dare you? Talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the trip, but a little bit about why people had such a crazy response to you traveling without your husband.
1: I guess I can say, and I can't say why people had such a crazy response because I mean, I left home at 16. I have been self-sufficient. I've slept in my truck and parking lots. Like my background and my life was so unconventional that like it never even for a single minute occurred to me to not do something like that, even at a really, really, really young age. I mean, I moved to Nashville right after I turned 18. I barely had 80 bucks in my pocket. I literally slept in my truck with my guitar to pursue music. Like It wasn't even a thing. I was like, yeah, I'm just doing this. (laughs) And so because that was so deeply ingrained and just a part of me from such an early age, I have a hard time really understanding where someone's coming from when they're just flabbergasted that I actually travel. And it was before I was married even because I spent almost an entire year after seven years of owning my gym, I was just so fatigued. I was like, Oh my gosh, like I have to do something for myself. I have to get away. And so I just kept taking all these little trips and, you know, traveling by myself was so liberating and so healing in its own way. Mm -hmm. That's what led me to launch my travel company. I was like, there's no greater way to get to know yourself and to connect with yourself and be your best self than to go experience something new by yourself. (laughs) That's just, again, it's just always made sense to me. I've always loved it. I've never had a fear factor with it. So... After I got married and traveled several times, the past couple of years I haven't traveled as much as I would like to, just with the new companies and stuff. But when I finally took the first two trips, you know, it's not a big deal if you're traveling to Florida by yourself. Like people don't really question that. But (laughs) you're going to another country and I've also had over the past. Yeah, they're like, What? (laughs) I think I've probably connected to thousands of people from Charlotte and new communities in the past couple of years. So I think for a lot of new people, they hadn't seen the progression of Holly over the last 30 years of her life and the things she's done. So they were really shook. They were like, what? Like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like so many people, people I don't know at all were like, are you okay? And I'm like, first of all, it's none of your business. Second of all, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> you know,
0: you ran away to Colombia to pursue a career as a drug mule and leave your house. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, I'm going to marry some Spanish lover I met on Facebook. <laughs> I don't know what people think. Like I said, I cannot really relate to being that shocked by it. I can't really relate to reaching out to strangers and asking them what's going on in their personal life. Like, I can't relate to that. But yeah, people were really... Really perplexed on why I would go to another country by myself for a month without my husband. I'm like, if anything, you should be concerned about why I'm leaving my dogs. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Like, that's the real issue. So, yeah, it was a fun trip. It was less adventurous than some of my other ones. Like, I went on, I call them Zen trips. Like, my travel company is called Zen Finders. And when I first started doing little things for myself to get away from the crazy high stress of owning a gym, I called it find my Zen. I would hashtag find my Zen. Yeah. And so then when I went on all these trips, it was like Italy edition, like Atlanta edition. I called them editions. So I hadn't really done one where I just went for that amount of time and did nothing. I was more adventurous, explore, sightsee, like go hike the Grand Canyon or whatever. So this one was really about just being still, being quiet, disconnecting from my life as a wife, an owner of a company and this and this and this. And like, just connecting back to me. Like that's what solo travel I think is so powerful at doing is just connecting you back to yourself. And you don't get that when you travel with anybody else because you still have the dialogue going on with them. It's like bringing a piece of you (laughs) along for the journey. So yeah, I was just very still. I wrote a lot. I got very clear on my intentions with what I want to do with my practice here in Charlotte, what I want to do beyond that because I've always known and I've always had this really guess you could call it grandiose sense of how I want to impact the world. Like I try not to get too wrapped up in it from an egotistical standpoint of, oh, I don't want to do a workshop for five people because I'll do it for one person or 200 people. But in my heart, I've always just felt like there's something I'm supposed to do in this world that's on a very big scale. Right, you want to make a big impact. Yeah. I want to reach a lot of people. And I feel like doing this with the trauma work, my practice is just a small piece of that. So, you know, I really thought big picture, like what's going to take me past my practice in Charlotte and what's going to take me to Continue that calling of a bigger message, a bigger education. So I got really, really clear on that. And I just, it just chilled, man. I just found a lot of zen and escaped everything. There's a lot of pressure and expectations and all of that as an entrepreneur. And sometimes you just need to step away and make sure, no matter what you're doing to make money or hit sales numbers or grow and scale, that you're following your heart and your soul like all those things are aligned and i was really overdue for a trip like that and that's what my escape to colombia was all about <laughs> i was so jealous when
0: i saw it I was like oh my god i would love to do this right now because i love traveling by myself and you know with my husband's career like i can't always bring him with me i love sharing that travel with him because it's such a big thing for me but it's kind of crazy i think when you're in another country and you don't speak the language and you have to figure shit out like that, really, I think builds your self esteem and your confidence because you mm-hmm. know, I know that I can rely on myself, yeah, in these situations that are kind of impossible, or like, uh, yeah, you know, like,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and you things, yeah, you know, and you discover things like that. Hey, this actually wasn't that difficult. Like, I flew in through Hong Kong when I went to Bali, and I thought being in China was gonna be so hard to navigate around. I'm like, I don't even know how I'm gonna find my way through the airport. How do people do that? You know? Not only was it ridiculously easy, like probably easier than most of the countries I've been in, but there was a Boston bar. I am from New England. And there was a little pub in the food court area that had Tom Brady and Red Sox stuff and Celtics and Bruins and Patriots. And I was like, (laughs) It was so cool. But it's funny how you can just trust yourself. You have to be able to trust yourself. You can't just be like, oh, well, if this happens and I'm screwed, it's like, well, what are you going to do? You have to figure it out. Yeah. I definitely need to have you back on because... I still have like a million questions for you. <laughs> like it would be a double, like, <laughs> double. Yeah. And I really want people to kind of marinate on a lot of what you talked about. Cause I think it's so, so, so important. I just think the work that you're doing is amazing and it's important. I, I kind of want to come see you. So <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> Get that one out. So we like to end on a quote. So if there's a quote that you've been kind of like living by or your mantra for a life or even just something you've been kind of feeling lately, can you share that with us?
1: Yeah, I definitely go through phases. I like to grab onto a mantra in certain seasons and I'm sort of circling back to this one for maybe like the 10th time in my life, but it's a Wayne Dyer quote. And I find that anytime I really use this as a mantra that I live by, not just a quote that I hear and it goes in one ear and out the other, that my life always expands for the better. And it is have a mind that is open to everything and attached to nothing, which from the intro of this podcast, I'm sure you can be like, yep, yeah, that sounds like you. <laughs> um, you know, just constantly like letting go of our own expectation and just being open. I think
0: that's where the magic happens. So, yeah, love that quote. Great one. Where can people find you?
1: Pretty much across every social media platform, it's Spiritual Fit Chick. Instagram and Facebook, you know, most active on there. Yeah. And I mean, everything's, of course, cross-linked with my different companies and my journal, all of that. If you go to Instagram, my link tree kind of plugs you into everything. So that's probably the easiest place to find me and connect to everything that I got going on.
0: Awesome! Thank you so, so much for being here today. You're amazing. I cannot wait to have you back.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for letting me geek out and share all my passions.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Rebel Babe Cave. If you enjoyed it, Don't forget to subscribe and we'd love it if you left a review. See you next week.